We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Tuesday, September 21st edition of the Worldwide NFL Podcast brought to you by WinBet. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. Alongside me is Jake Letarski. It, it's funny. I had talked uh, last week about how I was going to the game and you were not. And now we had the roles reversed. Yeah, I, I didn't go and you did go to the Packers game. Of course, Packers uh, whooped yep. on the lines of the second half and won the Monday Night Contest 35-17. But overall, how was the uh, wet and rainy atmosphere on Monday? Yeah, you know, it wasn't so bad. The rain didn't hit us until, you know, the second half. I ended up, yeah, it was so weird. I ended up having to go back to town for like a family matter thing. And then out of the whole situation, ended up with Packer tickets for my brother and I. So um, it was, you know, a little too close for comfort in the first half. But uh, it's crazy. It's good to be back at Lambeau. Good to be, you know, tailgating and everything out there. It's uh, it's fully back. You know, it took that realization. The only Packer game I went to last year was the NFC Championship game. And that was Far from a typical Lambeau Field experience here. We had a full house, and it honestly felt like a playoff game. People like had really? store, they they stored their voices so long. I mean, it got loud. <laughs> I mean, I've been to playoff games. You know, normally even even on Monday night, normally you get your game against the Lions. It's not yeah. that loud, but uh, people were getting rowdy. People were ready for noon games. That's for sure. And uh, it was it was overall a great. It experience. didn't sound that loud in the broadcast, especially the first half. And by the what fourth quarter when they were up by 18, they did a, a, a mm-hmm. like a spanning of the crowd. And I was actually surprised with how few people were still there. I know it was raining and everything else, but my mm-hmm. thought was it's been 600 plus days, whatever it was, since there was a regular season yep. game in Lambeau. I would have thought everyone's sticking around mm-hmm. and, and doing the yeah. Lambeau leap dance and everything else like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little guilty of that. We uh, With like five and a half minutes up, I quick did the math in, in my head and I was like, man, they got to get like two touchdowns, two extra po- or two two-point conversions. Let's go. Let's beat the traffic a little bit. We beat the traffic a little bit. We have to drive to Madison, and that's like a three-hour drive. So I was home at about 1 a.m. last night. Okay. Any takeaways from that game overall? My my initial thoughts were, A, Aaron Jones, great game, four touchdowns, over 100 total yards. Rodgers looked fine enough. Uh, that defense is still pretty bad. And I was, I was thinking uh, as I was getting ready for the show today, 
there's probably a half dozen defenses in the NFL that I'm like, yeah, like, yes, I will target that one. They're awful. I will go against them each and every week. I think the Packers defense is among the same group of like the Falcons and Texans and uh, Mm -hmm. Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's really troubling to me. Yeah. So I had two main takeaways from this game. One was it was clear they were going to come out and reestablish Aaron Jones. AJ Dillon got involved a little bit as a change of pace, but he's not really ready to be started in any fantasy leagues and probably won't be until maybe in the second half of a longer season here when we start to manage these guys' workloads a little bit. But no, Aaron Jones, he, they, he, they came out and they got they got after it with stretch plays, tosses, misdirection, you know, typical LaFleur stuff. So, um, you know, any any Aaron Jones owners can breathe a sigh of relief there the other thing is uh you know the Packers defense of course they're bad but uh you know and of course it was Kevin King once again right on Quintez Cephas a guy that we were kind of liking as as a deep sleeper I mean he's he's getting the benefit of the doubt as again being kind of the last man standing in Detroit but Kevin King got burned now by a guy in Cephas that one fell down on the play initially Two, Cephas has always been known for his, uh, you, you know, his body control, athleticism, physicality, and hands. He's never been known for breakaway speed. So a guy falls down, gets up, and burns Kevin King. Now we have a change into the garden. Stokes, I think, was going to see a lot more run in one-on-one coverage. And, and, you know, he made a great play on fourth down in, in the end of that quarter. So the Packers defense still clearly has a lot of figuring out to do itself. And, you know... They're going to be one to target. I agree with you there. I'll, I will definitely concede that point. But, you know, hopefully taking steps in the right direction here. I think you can still – I mean, I know it's the Lions, but I, I don't see any other team, you know, suddenly taking over and surpassing them in the North. Yeah, I'm I'm disappointed. Uh, again, you know, the Joe Barry scheme through two weeks is difficult. Uh, you and I are both Badger fans. I really wish they would have convinced Jim Leonard to actually take that defensive coordinator job because I think that would have been a, a completely different situation. And we just love of, Madison too much, man. Everyone loves it. <laughs> I mean, instead of That's like what a, we call home, that that's where Jimmy calls home. Can't like the, the pathetic last dance that you see uh, in spoof movies of like nerds who leave at like nine o'clock at a, a midnight prom thing. Like that's their last dance. I think that's what the Packers are going to be doing after they get bounced in the divisional round or something like that. It's I'm, I'm not looking forward to uh, the season way, the way the defense is going right now. So, all mm-hmm. right, well, we'll get to a, a few of the pickups. And I, I think honestly, um, it, it's going to be a bit more of a mundane week for those obviously the big injuries that occurred were mainly to the quarterback position and i and i wrote in our pre down or uh pre-breakdown or whatever this more of duds than dudes uh at this point the quarterbacks that got injured yeah uh, but there is a few wide receivers and running backs to at least monitor as well mm-hmm. too before we do that let's get from our sponsors win bet if there's one thing we appreciate here at rotoware it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision listen up folks i have an incredible offer for you with rotoware's news partner win bet the premier digital casino and sportsbook app win bet win bet win bet is now exclusive sponsor for rotoware's fantasy podcast and win bet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface moneyline bets boosted parlays over unders ron robbins live betting and so much more right at your fingertips if you want to break from sports betting head to WinBet's digital casino to take a spin on roulette double down on uh, blackjack slamless slots or try your hand at baccarat WinBet is currently available in six states colorado indiana michigan new jersey tennessee and virginia while rapidly expanding at WinBet, the possibilities are limitless WinBet is currently offering all road aware listeners a risk-free bet up to 500 on your first rate wager download WinBet now that's w-y-n-n-b-e-t WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotoware's fantasy podcast. Okay, so uh, obviously you've got the Monday Night Recap down. Quarterbacks to pick up, and I think this is going to be one of the, the keys. 
Um, week three, you're not necessarily looking at streaming quarterbacks, but I think this week in particular, you have a couple of options. We had mentioned Teddy Bridgewater last week. Obviously, he was a I think top six or seven fantasy quarterback uh, against that Jacksonville defense, and you know that was one that we liked a lot. We also liked Jared Goff, who had a little bit of rushing total on to his day. I think he finished right around QB 12 or 13. Um, Heineke did pretty good, too, in his Thursday debut. So the guys that we mentioned last week as streamer options did pretty good, and I think this week will be the same thing. I'll start first, Jake, with Daniel Jones, who's going against one of those half-dozen worst defenses in the NFL, the Atlanta Falcons. Daniel Jones has been doing stuff on the ground as well, too. He's quietly 25-plus points in back-to-back weeks in fantasy. What do you think about Daniel Jones as a top uh, QB1 or top 10 play this week? Yeah, I mean, I think the offense is going to get better the more – the more that they get Saquon Barkley involved. And I was actually very surprised by Saquon Barkley's level of snap count in the Thursday night game here. And, uh, you know, once they can rely on him and Daniel Jones can lean on him and not have to necessarily be the guy, um, then I think that things are going to improve. He's uh, he's developed some chemistry. I mean, he's always had that kind of chemistry with Sterling Shepard. He's got a wide receiver one. Um, I... Uh, he's gonna he's gonna turn the ball over. So you know, some of our leagues like the Stake League and the other RotoWire Invitational don't necessarily dock for interceptions. But I've seen leagues that uh, you know take away four to six points for interceptions in an effort to make quarterbacks better. So yeah, you get what you get with Danny Dimes. I mean, you, you, I don't think he'll be a league winner. He could be a league loser or he could be average. So there's just you mean a, like a week week winner or a week loser. I mean, like a league. No one's talking about a guy that's rostering. Twenty five percent of Yahoo yeah. leagues is a, a league winner. Yeah, no, that, that's what I meant to say is a week winner. You know, maybe he okay. come out and have a decent game here and there. But outside of two quarterback leagues, he's still probably a guy with best left on the wire. I, I actually feel like I would be considering Daniel Jones. And like, I'll give you an example. Matthew Stafford has a difficult matchup this week. Uh, I could see a Daniel Jones slotting in over that, uh, over, over Matthew Stafford. I wanted to make sure against the Buccaneers. I like, I know the Buccaneers defense has looked a little bit suspect at times. Like the Falcons did. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know um, the Matt yeah. my demise has been greatly exaggerated mm-hmm. by some. Even yeah, I mean, Dak Prescott tore him up and then he got stopped by your chargers this week. So, you know, yeah, I mean, run, well, Dak it's the run defense. Enough. It's the run defense that you really are scared of when it comes to Tampa Bay. Or like, how about a Joe Burrow who was already kind of, teetering on that quarterback one edge going against the mm-hmm. Steelers defense this week, or even the Titans uh, with Ryan Tannehill going against the Colts defense this week. I'll take Daniel Jones over mm-hmm. both those guys. And I think, uh, you know, yeah. Burrow and Tannehill were guys were quarterback mm-hmm. ones, at least low end for a lot of people entering the season. Well, and the other, another quarterback and quarterback one status, you know, you hate to hit on the Packers too much, but Aaron Rodgers next week, you know, he's going to West coast, San Francisco and David Bakhtiari. He, I, one of the other big things in that game is, you know, they're missing their stud highest paid left tackle in the league and you know they're either gonna have a hard time with bosa and the pass rush there for sure so uh i'd be a little bit worried to just automatically roll him out too so i think jones has a safer floor than rogers not that i'm necessarily recommending start jones over rogers i might do that but i i feel a little queasy recommending that to other people i'm not gonna let that sentence come out of my mouth on the air so uh (laughs) you know maybe i'll think about it in private leagues but you know for the most part not just saying there's there's a safer floor that you could look at there's another safer floor out there too and uh we actually have uh roper one of our users saying he's here for the sneaky ads jake so let's just get to it i think one of the sneaky ads uh might be sam darnold who's only rostered in 15 percent of yahoo leagues eight percent espn at the moment Thursday night game against the Texans. 
I, I think weird things, as we know, can happen uh, on Thursday night games. But through two contests thus far, the Panthers' offense and Sam Darnold looks pretty darn good. And for as great as for as above average as I, I've seen from the Texas offense, their defense still has plenty of limitations. I think Sam Darnold can also be a low on quarterback one this week if you mm-hmm. do miss out on Danny Dimes. Hey, listen, I've said it all along that I think Sam Darnold is the quarterback is my guy this year that I'm hitching my wagon to as someone who you know is. is universally perceived as as bad you know for by a lot of people over his years with the jets but you know i'm gonna write that off as the organization not quite handling this adam Gase, bro. just in yep. particular <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um so no he's a guy that I, I like uh i like this year and i like and i like moving you know for the rest of the year he's someone that you know i, I i'm i was so in love with herbert to start the year but i ended up backing him up with darnold and now i'm starting to have a week by week you know quarterback dilemma mm-hmm. here their defense is looking better so they're not asking Donald to do a whole lot and they've got weapons they've got a ton of weapons obviously the number one player in all of fantasy and their pass catching group is uh is looking very nice yeah despite Terrace Marshall not exceeding our expectations through two weeks which is difficult you know yeah. obviously DJ Moore yeah. and Robbie Anderson have been fine but it's been Terrace Marshall who we were campaigning for upon on the table for and has uh struggled mm-hmm. at times thus far it's a it's a long season we got a 17 week season this year so Something something to mention with Sam Darnold. You had talked about partnering with Justin Herbert. That's fine. And any one of those low-end quarterback ones I I think works or makes sense. I was trying to pick my survivor team for this week, and obviously Panthers against Texans. I thought that looks like a promising one. I ended up moving away from the Panthers because I thought, hey, there's at least two times throughout the year that I could play them when they play the Atlanta Falcons. And I looked at the rest of the Panthers' schedule. It's actually not too bad. Like I'm not sure what you believe of the Saints' defense. I kind of think – that week one performance the Packers put together was more of the Packers than the Saints. We saw it again uh, with what they did in week two that the Panthers did to the Saints. The Buccaneers are difficult, but there actually are a couple of weeks that you can convince me Sam Darnold is a low-end quarterback one, and it's not just a stream option for this week. Again, really good against the Texans' defense this week, but I think you actually can have some viability later on in the season for Sam Darnold given the Panthers' schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know, let's keep things moving. Next on the list here, one guy I like is uh, is Teddy Bridgewater against the Jets, and I never thought I'd be saying that at, at this stage in the season, but he's they're they're finding a way to get the ball downfield, which is the biggest thing mm-hmm. with Teddy, right? Yes, you know, gunslinger Teddy Bridgewater. I saw that in a tweet this <laughs> week. Um, he leads the, he, I believe he what what are the tweet? He leads the league in passes pass attempts above twenty yards. And you wouldn't, and that's definitely not something you would have thought after uh, Jerry Judy went down. But it looks like Cortland Sutton has stepped up and is going to be a solid fantasy asset. Um, and then, of course, he's got the Jets this week, so you know he's another possible streaming option. Someone who could, who you would think about starting, you know, in a two quarterback league, or if one of your guys went down. So I'll start Darnold and Daniel Jones over Teddy Bridgewater. Not to say Teddy Bridgewater is not a low on quarterback one option as well. In fact, we named three or four guys that like the Joe Burrows, the world, Matthew Stafford's that you might consider benching for these guys. I think the Jets defense is serviceable enough. Like it's better than the Packers. I, I feel confident saying that. And I know the Jets offense is so hapless and, and you know, just dreadfully bad, whether it is Zach Wilson's fault or anything else like that, uh, where there's a situation that you're just going to have Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams dominating them for touches because that offense is never going to be able to score enough points to be competitive against anybody else. That's my one concern with Teddy Bridgewater, whereas Sam Darnold and, and especially Daniel Jones, they really have to move the ball passing, whether it be Saquon Barkley, or Christian McCaffrey getting involved. Fine. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for both Darnold and, and Daniel Jones to throw the ball. Whereas with Bridgewater, I can see Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams dominating most of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's definitely fair enough. Um, 
Other quarterback to mention, at least Derek Carr, 20, 27% rostered on Yahoo, 22% ESPN. One of the top say, passers gonna, in the league right now, right? I mean, he's, he is the league leader, isn't he? Yes. I was going to say, we're going to disrespect the league leader in passing. And, <laughs> and, it, and, not, it's been, no. and it's been against, you know, pretty tough opponents, you know, for the most part, at least, you know, in week one. The, yeah. You know, the Ravens, the Ravens got hit by injuries, of course, but like. I don't know. He's he's he seems to be developing chemistry with Rugs and Edwards, and I think the Jacobs injury and him being limited also is having a lot to do with that. Because if you're John Gruden, your identity of your football team that you want is to have Jacobs running the ball and plugging away late in games, and, and you know they just qu- haven't quite have the running back. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And uh, the Dolphins' defense of those first three that the the Raiders or I guess will face the Raiders defense thus, or Raiders offense thus far. I think the Dolphins defense is probably the worst of, of the Steelers and Ravens. And we've seen how successful Derek Carr has been thus. You know, I, I think it's mm-hmm. good. Uh, Xavier Howard is the one concern I have, but when one year cornerbacks takes away one option, fine. The way they've been moving that ball, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, uh, Henry Ruggs getting involved. We'll talk about him a little bit later too. There's a lot of key pieces. Uh, and I think this sum is making the, the whole offense look a lot better than we would have anticipated entering the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they've definitely got assets. I mean, even Hunter Renfro is like wide receiver three or whatever on that depth chart. He's someone that I picked up in stake league last week. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a pretty good pickup. But again, maybe a bit of foreshadowing as we discuss more of these guys. Let's get to some of these injured duds again. You know, I know there's the dudes, Andy Dalton, Tyrod yeah. Taylor, Carson Wentz. You know, and these guys are mostly quick hitters here, right? You know, it's more like or a, less a refresher for two quarterback leagues. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, exactly. Okay. Um, we have Andy Dalton undergoing an MRI to his knee. Justin Fields is already rostered and 51% of Yahoo leagues and 56% of ESPN leagues. I I don't I'm only mentioning him because I feel like we have to. He's on every other waiver wire article. He doesn't quite meet our threshold for the podcast where again mm-hmm. we're looking at targeted players under 50% roster in Yahoo. I'm not I'm not Jack but all four of those main names that we mentioned, Darnold, Bridgewater, Carr and Daniel Jones, I will start mm-hmm. over Justin Fields. So let somebody else spend a 4 to $6 on the budget cuz maybe the Fields upside's mm-hmm. there. I like the week to week start that you get out of any one of those four veteran guys that we mentioned yeah absolutely that's kind of why we always divide the quarterbacks into two sections guys that you can actually pick up and maybe hold and i mean or and guys that uh you know are just going to be helpful short term you know two quarterback league type of situation fields is probably available if your league is relatively active i think after a couple of dalton starts people probably get you know they want they want to get after some of these trendy waiver wire targets and i'm guessing fields was a drop for a lot of these league so he might be out there he's worth checking I mean he's another one of those guys that you know I don't I don't feel super great about the Bears chances on a whole on a whole this year you know we took him as the under in our uh, team over under win totals but you know maybe he has a couple Jalen Hurtsy type games you know towards the end of the season something like that you know that's kind of what I have for expectation but I know Matt Nagy has been very firm in saying if he's healthy Andy Dalton is our quarterback so you know, you're going to have sporadic. Can you really afford to hold that weight on your roster? You know, that's a decision you'll have to make. Yeah. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, obviously playing Thursday night against the Panthers. Likely he's not going to be out there. Um, this is going to be Davis Mills time, the third round pick. And I think it was the Texans first pick of this past draft, obviously with the uh, Laramie Tunsil trade, still divvying out the draft picks to the Dolphins. I, I'm not a huge fan of Davis Mills. Our, our college experts, John McKechnie and Mario Puig have talked 
ad nauseum about how Mills is just not that good. But I did pick him up in a like a deep keeper dynasty format, if only because mm-hmm. Tyrod Taylor, for whatever the reason, has super bad luck with these injuries. And I think if you're the Texans who are clearly not playing Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. that's a different situation altogether, uh, are, are looking towards the future. And I think yep. Davis Mills is more or less a future option for mm-hmm. them. So I think he could start I, all I'm year. I'm assuming one of those guys grabbed him in our 14-team dynasty, right? Yeah, I think he was drafted in like the second or third round as oh, like Kellen yeah. and someone else. Like oh, wow. Too. Yeah, 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 quite a bit. As far as, you know, yeah, long-term outlook, sure. But this week outlook, I'd be a lot more interested in streaming the Panthers' defense against the rookie than, uh, you know, than going any other direction. They're there. one of the top pickups for a reason, I think, defensively. And then we have Carson Wentz, who has sprained both of his ankles. That's impressive even for someone like me who, you know, sprains his ankle every time he plays basketball on road wire hoops on Mondays. Uh, Tennis I, is what gets me. I, I, it's, I, I make that cut towards the net and it just rolls right over. Okay. All right. Well, either way, Jacob Eason, now you're <laughs> likely starting quarterback for the Colts, at least this week. It is the bad Titans offense, but then also it's Jacob Eason, who I don't think is very good. I'm, I'm staying away from this altogether. And I don't, you know, even in like two QB leagues, if I can avoid playing Jacob Eason, yeah. I'd like to, you know, that has implications to other positions in the waiver wire too. Cause I was thinking about maybe in finding like Zach Pascal or somewhere on here because hmm. of his red zone prowess and that kind of thing. But I mean, how much do we actually expect the Colts to move the ball here? So they'll be pretty one dimensional. Maybe Jonathan Taylor is good enough to get it done. But uh, you know, if, if you have, if you're rostering like Michael Pittman, like me, for example, and he had a good week last week and you're thinking, Oh, maybe I'm going to start him this week. Just keep in mind the back of your mind, the quarterback situation that's happening there. Yeah. I uh, completely agree with you. Let's move over to the running backs before we do that though. Let's get a word from our sponsors. Blue wire. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. With Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, we're back. So we had talked about Elijah Mitchell. Obviously, that was the, the sweepstakes last week. Uh, and I think for a lot of people, are probably disappointed if they spent 60, 70% mm-hmm. of the budget like we did not recommend. We said more like 30 to 40. We were yeah. woefully wrong. But 
I think this is an exact scenario yeah. where you're like, wait, well, the 49ers are really good at running the ball with yeah. whoever is doing it out there. Uh, Jermichael Hasty also didn't do anything. Kenny Gainwell is disappointed with. I liked him a lot. If you had lost the Elijah Mitchell sweepstakes, mm-hmm. Gainwell was a guy that I liked. I still, I mean, to be clear, I still love Gainwell long term. Yeah. This season, he's going to have too. some Me nice too. days for you. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously, Mark Ingram did a lot this past week james white was probably the lone guy that we discussed last week that ended mm-hmm. up being good and and honestly he's rostered in so many different places so i'll start first with james white it's worth noting he's already rostered in 66 percent of espn leagues he does qualify for our threshold in the yahoo section at 43 percent. i bet you by the end of this podcast or by the end mm-hmm. of today that'll yeah. change as well too so keep this in mind we're not going to discuss sony michelle we're not discussing tony pollard not discussing michael Carter, michael carter all those guys were over 50 percent roster in yahoo if james white's available look in your league first i think he's one of the top pickups but i'd imagine in most cases he's not yeah i mean james white is not a sexy pick by any means but uh that play on the field and that consistency sure is sexy. I think he's uh he's someone that, you know, if it's a PPR league and he's still sitting out there, he could sneak he could sneak, you know, into one of one of the potential top pickups. I don't see too many, you know, game-changing week-winning performances, but he's that type of guy that can get you 12 points a week and that and there's definitely value in that even as far down as 10 team leagues. I mean, the targets are really what you like over the first two games. Seven targets in week 1, six in week 2. I believe that pattern will continue. He could maybe be I I don't want to stretch it too much, but after back-to-back weeks with six catches, you know, he could sneak into like last year's JD McKissick territory this year. He's going to be a productive fantasy player and he always is. And people tend to sleep on him, but you know, he's just 29 years old and he was used very, very sparingly in his first two years at, at new England. I mean, you know, he was, yeah, just not a ton of snaps, not a ton of carries. So, you know, he's almost, you can almost treat him like a 29 year old receiver instead of a 29 year old running back. He's going to be, you know, again, nothing exciting, but he's going to be a guy that can be a stable presence in your lineup, especially after seeing how they're using him over the first couple of weeks. Yeah. I don't want to spend too much more time on James Webb because again, I think in, in most cases, most people out there listening, he's likely picked up. Um, and if he isn't, it's like a 10 team league where you're really, you have a lot better options potentially at flex. Uh, whereas that's where I think James White could factor in. So let's move to some of these other running backs. That I think have some question marks and I'll start first. This is in no particular order and you'll clearly see Peyton Barber, 9% rostered in Yahoo, 5% in ESPN. He did out-carry Kenyon Drake. This is important to note mm-hmm. because Josh Jacobs is uncertain to play for Week 3, didn't play in Week 2, again, against that Dolphins defense. We figure the Raiders can have some offensive impact. If Peyton Barber is taking more of that Josh Jacobs role and, and doing the between-the-tackle stuff, there should be goal line work for them, and I think there are going to be opportunities for the Raiders to get near the goal line. So mm-hmm. is Peyton Barber a possible pickup in, in deeper leagues? Yeah, you know, I'm going to refer back to Jerry's article here to look at uh, the usage and see where we're going from there. So the Raiders got the Dolphins this week and last week in a game that they won, you know, by nine points, what have you, um, the usage leans heavily towards Kenyon Drake. He was on the field for 71.2% of snaps compared to 28.8% for Barber. And the past snaps were 37 to four in favor of Drake. So while Drake didn't necessarily get the carries, he was definitely on the field way more often here. So we know what Peyton Barber is, you know, there's no, there's no breakout suddenly forthcoming at this point in time here. I'm not excited about Peyton Barber. Drake's role doesn't change a ton when Jacobs comes around, but Barber certainly does. So you're looking at a short term, low end flex play. Mm -hmm. I just, there's not, there's not a whole lot there for me. 
I'm trying to think of scenarios where you're really playing Barber. Maybe if you're hit by the ETN sermon, Josh Jacobs, you know, then you're like, oh God, I guess Peyton Barber makes sense. More than likely, if those injuries have occurred, you're you're zero and two, and probably should just mm-hmm. be checked out for your fantasy season because that's a tough break. I don't. It's a difficult, difficult scenario. Maybe we'll find it on Twitter or any of the user comments as we're talking now, where people might consider starting Peyton Barber. But you're right; we know exactly who he is as a player, and I think it's a lackluster option from a fantasy perspective, even if he could be a touchdown vulture. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Cordero Patterson, though, who I, I think actually is one of the top pickups if you don't need a streaming quarterback or anything else, but you gave me those eyes like you're dumb, Joe. Fine. Maybe that's the case, Jake. Uh, a monster game no, against I'm the reading Buccaneers. the chart, really. I don't know what my oh, oh. looks. Sometimes I forget I'm on <laughs> camera and I'm reading a chart like super intensively, like trying to figure out a point I can make. I I, I actually meant nothing by that. Face he's he's like staring part. daggers down for those of you guys that aren't watching the video. I, I'm like, seriously like squinting at the like, tiny numbers on this chart. I could, I should just, you know, command plus here and get it bigger for me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you know that and yeah, I don't know. I guess it, it's the lack of sleep after the Packers the other day making me uh, – you know, not aware of my facial expressions. I'll work on that. Guy. Either way, it's okay. I'm not offended if you do think I'm crazy. He had the two touchdowns against the Buccaneers, and I know the Falcons. I mean, the the score won't indicate it because of the, obviously the two return touchdowns, but that game was relatively competitive. And I think Patterson getting involved as the pass catching specialist is an important decision, or at least something we need to to mark mm-hmm. out there. Um, a 60 plus total yards, two touchdowns. It's not great. But given Patterson's size and the fact that Mike Davis is also lackluster as a running back himself, I kind of think uh, Patterson has a role uh, in the future uh, for for this offense. But what do you think? Yeah, he absolutely has a role. And I think of him in a similar vein as James White. I'm not going to run out and call him the top overall pickup like I know some publications out there might. But uh, he's someone that you can count on for some snaps, count on for some targets, especially gets a lot more attractive in PPR leagues. But when you really look at the breakdown, you have to consider a couple of things. One, Tampa Bay, you know, we praised their running defense early in the year. This is not the game for any kind of between the tackles runner to succeed here. So, of course, Cordero Patterson was going to get more involved than a typical game. You look at the overall snap percentage distribution. Uh, Davis was on the field for 63.4% of snaps. Cordero Patterson, 33.8% of snaps. That's Obviously. Troubling. And, and and even pass snaps. So Mike Davis was on the field, uh, 33 pass snaps, and Patterson, 17 pass snaps. So obviously, and Davis out-targeted Patterson too. So, of course, you're going to have to mix things up, try something different against, uh, uh, against Tampa Bay here. Um, but Davis, you know, if you look at the underlying numbers beyond just the box score, he was on the field more. He was on the field significantly more on early downs. He was, uh, he even played 53.3% of the third down snaps here. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So uh, it's just, let's, it's let's a little overblown. Out. Yeah. Let's play this out. So again, we, we didn't talk about Tony power because he's over 50% rostered on Yahoo and ESPN. Michael Carter, the same way. Would you rather have both Tony Pollard and Michael Carter over Patterson? Is that what I'm getting at here? I would rather have Tony Pollard because I think the Cowboys will see more positive game flow, you know, for that. Situation. Even if he's splitting time with Zeke, even if he's splitting time with Zeke, because I, 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 let me let me just look at I want to look at the Cowboys backfield now because I just gave the full rundown on the Falcons <laughs> and the Cowboys still so so Tony Pollard 33.9 percent of snaps uh this week and Cordero Patterson 33.8 percent of snaps so we're essentially looking at pretty close to the same player with Pollard I think more likely to get a touchdown carry which he did this past week 
Yeah, and and Pollard looks explosive running the ball, and, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. we've never said the same thing about Patterson, but if Patterson is going to be more of your pass-catching specialist, again, the snap count didn't reflect that this week, but production could have, maybe there's a scenario. I, I would mm-hmm. rather have um, uh, Pollard, Carter, any of those top guys. Maybe I think Patterson would take over Sony Michelle. I'm I'm not enthused about his possibilities if Daryl Henderson was missed time. Uh, I don't think that really matters much, but that's, that's about it. So again, yeah. I talked about the top of the like, top of the show, not a lot of key free agents this week. And then get quarterback streaming wise. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, otherwise I, I, I did add one running back late. You to did. The I was, was going to want to make sure we touch on this guy. So Alexander yeah. Madison, you mentioned him obviously 30, 33% roster in Yahoo, which I'm surprised with any league that I'm in. He's, he's picked up by either the Delvin mm-hmm. cook guy or the guy that's hoping Delvin cook gets hurt. And in that fact, Delvin cook left Sunday's game twice. Obviously, return pr- produced well enough. Mm-hmm. 120 plus rushing yards. Uh, not super involved in the passing game, which is you know fine. Disappointing if you drafted him like me, but whatever. What's your thought on Alexander Madison? Is he at least a safeguard or a backup pickup for Delvin Cook at this point? I think if your league does waivers on Wednesday or Thursday, even like I know some of ours do on Thursday, Madison could easily be a guy that elevates to the top pickup here by the end of the week. We know about Delvin Cook's injury history, you know, and he's had ankle trouble, I believe, in the past. He, he has never really played the full season, so there's always a game or two. So there are two sides of this coin. One, you know, you you put a low bid on Madison if you're doing your waivers tonight, and then he potentially rises to a top pickup by Thursday. And, and of course, or the other one is Cook comes out, he's fine in practice, they tape the ankles up. You know, they're ready to go. They have the Seahawks this week who, uh, again, short sample size, but they're 31st against opposing running backs. So that's something to, uh, you know, to maybe make note of. And last year when this happened, Madison wasn't necessarily the guy. Now, they'll probably have to activate somebody from the practice squad if Cook can't play for whatever reason. And again, I'm just speculating. We don't we haven't seen the practice report. But with all these running backs, even with Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott that we just talked about, we're seeing a lot more load management and there's that extra game this year. And, you know, the Vikings think they're going to be a playoff wild card team here. So you're looking at more than 17 games in a season. I don't know why we rush Delvin cook out necessarily here uh, in week two, if he's not a hundred percent in any case, either way, we have to look at Madison. We know kind of what we've been getting from Madison. The rest of their depth chart is just Amir Abdullah and that's it. I imagine they activate someone from the practice squad. I don't see, you know, Amir Abdullah necessarily cutting into Madison's carry. So I'm saying the point I'm trying to make is that Madison has a better, you know, a better circumstance surrounding him than last year to step up and step in here uh, and and could be, you know, a top pickup here if we decided to take a conservative approach with Cook at any point. Now, Cook finished the game, right? Yep. And we haven't seen his practice report yet. So this could be, you know, way overly speculative here. But I mean, let's just say hypothetically, Cook, inactive week three. Does Madison become the top guy out of all these guys we've talked yeah. about? Absolutely. Yeah, I just exactly. don't think it's going to happen. I mean, the so, fact that Delvin yeah. Cook played, uh, came back and played throughout that game, that indicates to me he's he's fine enough. And maybe exactly. down the road, the, the Vikings might manage his workload. Yeah. If nothing else, if you are in a 12-team or deeper league or 12-team or more people, whatever, you should be rostering Madison if you have Delvin Cook. The 33% rostered is ridiculous to me on Yahoo. And if you want a uh, flyer type of guy that could be an easily a running back one or two territory, mm-hmm. if Delvin Cook would be hurt, that's exactly what Madison is. So I, I, that roster rate needs to be significantly higher to me, regardless uh, if Delvin Cook is or inactive this weekend against the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
Um, let's move over to the Niners backs. And, and honestly, I think this is going to be a situation where I would suggest stay tuned to our Thursday waiver wear article, which mm-hmm. comes up because right now the situation is just a little bit weird. We don't know the health status of Jamichael Hasty, Elijah Mitchell, uh, Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon looks like the one that's going to likely be out with a concussion. Yeah, he has a concussion. Yeah. Um, we don't know who the Niners are going to pick up because they brought in a number of backs, whether it be Duke Johnson, Lamar Miller, everything else. The mm-hmm. guys that they have been indicated to at least try out tells me the pass catching role, whatever that is in that Niners offense from the backfield, is the one that they're trying to fill. So that means to me, Elijah Mitchell will be healthy and available to go. And if that's the case, even if Mitchell is a questionable uh, game time decision against the Packers on Sunday, if Mitchell is good to go, Mitchell is a running back Mm -hmm. one against that awful defense this week. Just Mm -hmm. keep that in mind. If it is Lamar Miller or Duke Johnson or something else like that, I'm probably not playing them. So it it matters more to me the status of Jermichael Hasty and Mitchell, less so who they pick up. Uh, as the the primary backups to those guys. Yeah, I mean Lamar Miller, Duke Johnson got like hail marys and paint. Kevin Payne he does the written waiver wire article every Tuesday, and he always does a primary secondary targets and hail marys. Those guys are basically you know one dollar flyers in twenty team leagues at this point. I don't see them coming in and suddenly making that much of an impact for San Francisco. But you know they're one of the most injured backfields their entire depth chart basically that i'm looking at right now has an injury status i'm not looking to pick up jock patrick or trenton cannon i mean it wasn't trenton cannon trenton cut by was the just ravens. The ravens you were talking about the last cut by the ravens who had the worst <laughs> yeah exactly you know so it, it's a body you know to fill out there and uh you know, there's not a whole lot to like about that. There's there's nothing actionable that I think we can do right now with this. Exactly. Again, I'd say stick around for that Thursday article on the site. Um, I'm not sure who does it. I thought I think it rotates week to week. I think, maybe Dan. I don't know. Okay. We'll, we'll clear Either way, we, we, we can tweet it out if that were to uh, be a situation that unfolds. Real quick, Jake, go ahead and kind of expound upon the Jets' backfield. I already talked about Michael Carter as a guy that mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to not mention so much because he's over 50% rostered in our Yahoo formats. Yeah. Uh, but Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, I mean, this is a, a weird situation at a bad offense that at least bears mentioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, Ty Johnson got the start, right? Ty Johnson's snap share was identical to Michael Carter. He got one more carry. Uh, Michael Carter was the more was more the pass catching back, and as a result, got a slight slightly higher touch rate. Just wanted to throw Ty Johnson out there. I'm not really looking to get too involved in the Jets' backfield, but um, you know the, the numbers say that uh, he at least you know they'll roll with the hot hand. The numbers maybe suggest Tevin Coleman might not be worth rostering after getting 10 percent less than 10 percent of the snaps and only five carries. Um, I don't know. It's a backfield in the in the National Football League. I again, I'm not I'm not too interested, in, but I wanted to kind of I just wanted to lay out that backfield distribution because I thought it was interesting and maybe there's an opportunity to take something out of that. If nothing else, I think Tevin Coleman's probably a drop right now. Uh, we, we mentioned Ramondre Stevenson last week, uh, given his fumble issues. I think he's probably a drop at this point too. Mm-hmm. Um. You've you've listed like Ronald Jones, uh, Sonny Michelle, both those guys I'm keeping around this week. I think like a, a questionable mark, whether it be Giovanni Bernard, Giovanni Bernard or Justin Jackson. If you're in mm-hmm. deeper leagues, you you probably don't have better options anyway. So it might be a situation where you have to hold on to them either way. Yeah, Michelle Coleman, Justin Jackson, Ramonde, Ramondre, Gio Bernard. Ronald Jones is the toughest one I put on there. But those other four guys, I mean, I, I'd much rather, you know, take my chances on James White, Cordero Patterson, Madison, Pollard if he's out there, you know, so, you know. There's there's four ad drop suggestions for you this week. Hopefully we can, you know, we try to try to bring it full circle and give you guys something like actionable mm-hmm. that we can maybe do here. So we figured I'd throw some cut names out there. 
Before we get to the wide receivers, let's get a word from our sponsors, Yahoo. The new NFL season is finally here, and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. There'll be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest now being shark-free. To celebrate the opening of Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football and becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 contest entry credit offer to join one of the Yahoo's biggest contests, including the $1 million baller contest. The $1 million, $1 million baller contest features $1 million, obviously, in total prizes, including first place receiving $100K in entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event, which will occur at the MGM National Harbor in Maryland this, this, this December. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim the free 10-day offer, or sorry, $10, $10 offer to get started. Okay, at wide receiver, we had talked about Sterling Shepard, obviously, last week. Christian Kirk, you had been more on the K.J. Hamler train. Obviously, Patrick, Tim Patrick was around, too. We yep. also had mentioned that K.J. That one didn't Osborne. work out. I'll take my lump there. You know, <laughs> I was going to say, I was more on the Tim Patrick train. You really were pushing had, K.J. Hamler. I had too much dynasty brain going, I think. I'm going to write it off as that, that being my excuse. Well, I thought it was more that you were thinking of K.J. Osborne, who obviously had a pretty good game, and Hunter Renfro. And I think let's start there with K.J. Osborne. We know Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are going to be the main targets for Minnesota, and when they're not, Delvin Cook is a factor, too. But that's still a very, very small target tree. Now we've seen back-to-back weeks where K.J. Osborne, at least in full-point PPR formats, has been a top-30 wide receiver. At this point, are you considering him not only as an ad, but a start as a wide receiver three? They have a good matchup this week against the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Seahawks middle of the pack kind of matchup. His snap count, you know, I'm looking at it on our, on our site. Osborne went from 67 snaps week one to only 35 in week two. So he's definitely a little more, uh, he, he's more efficient because, of course, he got more yards and, and an extra touchdown here. The yards per target, 15.2 last week were nice. I I get I get what the uh, hype is here. I, I see him in theory. He's going to end up on the top or near the top of a lot of waiver wire lists here. Um, I'm just not crazy about the third wide receiver. This is a team. I should keep this statistic handy because I, I always want to look at run pass distribution over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And the Ravens are usually always number one because of Lamar and the design runs for him. But the Vikings are usually up there too. You know, you have Kirk Cousins, lifetime game manager, I guess, if you will, you know, the most overpaid game manager in the league. Um, they don't want to air it out necessarily with Cousins here. They want to run the ball with Delvin Cook. He is the best player in their offense. And they have got Adam Thielen has exceeded my wildest expectations this year. I made a bet with a friend of mine. I took the under on 10 and a half touchdowns for Thielen this year, and it is not looking good. I just call him my TD regression bet, and it's not happening right now. So, yeah, Osborne is going to benefit because they're not going to use many two tight end sets because they simply don't have the tight ends to do that. And he'll get some snaps there, but – I think the best days might be in the past, you know, unless in, until they start to turn over and maybe think about redesigning that re- receiving core after this year, after Cousins decides, you know, to hang it up or, or something at the end. But like, there's, I'm not as hyped on it as some of these people. There, there are, there are a lot of content creators throwing a bunch of different names out at wide receiver this week because. Let's face it, you know, we have to have some wide receiver ads for a free agency show, right? But there are just not a ton that I'm getting too hyped for. Yeah, five catches, 91 yards, six targets. Last week, he had nine targets, seven catches for 76 yards, at least in a full-point PPR format. Maybe, and and you had talked about acquiring Hunter Renfro in Stake League. Would you Mm -hmm. rather have Osborne or Renfro? And I imagine you actually made that call already. Like, you you target the Renfro scenario in this case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if I made that call already or not, or if someone did that. Um, 
I'm going to look at the, I need to look at it a little bit more. I think Renfro is going to be more reliable week to week. Here. Okay. I think if you pick up Osborne and start him, you know, this week, next week, the week after, um, you know, you, there's a chance you could end up being pretty disappointed here. Renfro actually has one more target through the first two weeks, but I guess he was helped by that overtime game mm-hmm. and, um, and a couple of tough matchups on deck before his bye week. Um, I don't know. Yeah, well, I'll I'll give you this scenario because yeah. um, there's there's a different wide receiver. Actually, you got to see him, Quintez Cephas, last night. That I I I think for a lot of people could be a sneaky ad in the same way that KJ Osborne was last week. I know we had a couple of mm-hmm. people. Jeff Erickson had did a video about you know picking up KJ Osborne as as more of a sleeper candidate, and obviously he's looked pretty good. I think Hunter Renfro, those names. We'll get to Rondell Moore as well too. They're pretty out there, but I imagine Quintez Cephas, especially in that Lions offense, is, is not highly rostered at the moment. You look at, like on RotoWare, the opposing ranking matchups and, and Quintez Cephas over the next three weeks has the Ravens, Bears, Vikings, Bengals, all uh, 20 or lower in terms of uh, points allowed to fantasy wide receivers. Let's mm-hmm. reverse that to KJ Osborne, who has the Seahawks, uh, sorry, Seahawks, Browns, and Lions over the next three weeks. Mm-hmm. They're all actually middle of the pack. When when you read those defenses off, the Seahawks Browns lines, I think, oh great, that's going to be an opportunity for KJ Osborne to do really well. I think that's also an opportunity for Delvin Cook to do really well, and that's where I actually would <laughs> it's rather an opportunity have. for Thielen and Jefferson to do really well. I, I, mean, I think that's know? where Quintez Cephas actually is a guy that I'd rather have over Osborne mm-hmm. in that scenario. Yeah, Cephas was on the field for almost ninety percent of snaps. Now Terrell Williams might you know, redistribute that a little bit. I think when, when he eventually comes back, I don't know. Are we still, are, are you still on trail? I'm Williams still on Tyrell Williams. Year? I am. You know, uh, it's just a concussion. concussion. He'll be back. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's interesting here. And, you know, compare that to Minnesota though. Uh, you know, you have two pretty ball dominant wide receivers that are, that are out there on nearly all the snaps. Adam Thielen was out there on 100% of the snaps last week. Justin Jefferson, 86.7. Now, I don't know how much to take out of, it was a decrease in snaps for Osborne any way you put it, and he had a better game. That pattern doesn't click with me, but will there be games when a wide receiver three is is acceptable in a Viking in this Vikings offense? Sure. You know, you know, pick him up and maybe you can catch lightning in the bottle a couple more times, but uh I'm really not expecting production like this on this team with this roster makeup consistently for the rest of the year. I had a lot of success last year getting Jacoby Meyer, um, obviously Patriots number one wide receiver, and used him to you know, pretty well in, in full point PPR leagues in a lot of different places. I needed a wide receiver three to me. KJ Osborne is kind of in a similar spot. The difference being Myers was the wide receiver one for the Patriots. Osborne will never be anything better than the third or fourth target at most that Vikings offense. So there's probably room to fluctuate and less of a floor out there. Speaking of wide receivers that have, pretty fluctuating circumstances. Let's discuss Rondale Moore. Obviously, seven catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown. Before we do that, I think we have to shout out Chris Orr, who at the beginning of the season was absolutely dunking on us, saying we should drop more for Tyson Williams. And once that J.K. Dobbins news happened, uh, and once the Gus Edwards news happened, you and I were both dancing on the grave, saying, ha-ha, you know, look at this, Tyson Williams, way better pickup. That may or may not be the case, but Rondale Moore has clearly proved himself to be an NFL wide receiver. And at least for me, I'm not going to speak on behalf of you, Jake, but at least for me, I want to issue an apology to Chris and say maybe it's possible both were pretty good pickups. Yeah, you know, I think both were pretty good pickups. I'm not quite ready to say that it, it, it's a done deal necessarily with uh, with Rondell Moore. He is uh, he's more explosive and he's being used much more than I originally ever gave him credit for. 
yet he is still the number four wide receiver on this team. Now, this offense has a ton of room to give a lot of playmakers the ball, and they're getting Rondell Moore. They're using him in packages that I would not have seen coming necessarily to begin the year. They've got so much skill. But, you know, you know, I'll run down the snaps here. DeAndre Hopkins, 96.7. A.J. Green, 83.3. Christian Kirk, 61.7. Rondell Moore, 46.7. Now, he's making the damn most out of his less than 50% snaps. So, you know, good for him. I'll give him that. I did want to throw out one uh, Mike Clay tweet uh, that I noticed that was interesting to me. Um, one of the reasons why I'm just going to read this, uh, uh, you know, word for word, he went off despite a small snap count. Arizona doesn't move his wide, its wide receivers around, he says. Hopkins aligned with Patrick Peterson on 31 of his 37 results, and that's why, as a result, DeAndre Hopkins was, wasn't targeted that much. So I'm not going to say this is a fluke because there are chances for more games like this, the way that he is being used in that offense. And if any of those receivers ahead of him, on the depth chart get hurt as AJ Green is prone to do and again they're very different types of receivers but that'll open up more snaps more opportunities yeah yeah and more opportunities so again I'm pumping the brakes here because I think this was a bit of a unique game um however will I be making some bids on him where he's open this week there the ceiling is definitely there you know being you know a rookie a little bit unproven with crazy athleticism, despite how undersized he is for this league in general and overall. So is there a ceiling there? Is there, can he be productive? You know, I'm going to reevaluate my roster like you do every week. There are going to be a couple players at the end of the bench that are either on IR and I'm going to look at all or, or just, you know, completely phased out of their offense. And then I'm going to look at the waiver wire on a hole. And will I put some Rondell Moore bids in? Sure. Probably. I don't think I'm going to, do I think I'm going to win any of them though? Just just based on how I intend to bid, probably not. But he's he's in the conversation for sure. And I can't deny I, you know, going into this season, I figured he'd be almost entirely a non-factor for the for the entirety of the year. And I was completely wrong on that. I still don't think he's a complete game changer from a fantasy perspective here. And I'm definitely going to be less hyped about him than most people. But I, I will take my lump on this one and say that he has greatly exceeded my expectations. I only bring up the uh, apology tour to Chris because I rarely, if ever, get into any Twitter fights. And you never know, obviously, on the site, uh, ways people say things, you can always interpret it a different way. I thought there was yeah. a little bit of like no an antagonistic, like he was kind of, and then there's like, oh, ha, 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 no, no, I'm, you know, just, you know, I'm not kidding. So there we go. I mean, like, I will issue the apology if there is one needed. I think Rondo Moore uh, will be a fantasy factor at some point. Rarely do you want to roster a backup wide receiver, but I think you mentioned this is key. If an A.J. Green, if a DeAndre backup Hopkins. wide receiver, a fourth-string uh, wide receiver. Well, I'm saying a backup <laughs> wide receiver for fantasy purposes. If any one of those three, Christian Kirk included, gets hurt, Moore becomes way more of a factor in that offense. Also, keep in mind, probably 60 of that 120 yards that he caught and that touchdown all came on a pretty darn broken play. If that's removed, I think Moore's line looks way, uh, way more in line mm-hmm. with what we anticipated for his fantasy prospects, uh, at least after a pretty good week one. So, yeah, I'm looking at the receivers on a whole. I just don't see a ton that I'm rushing out to pick up this well, week. Yeah, you know? let's let's go also hit on Henry Ruggs, who I think we talk about low ceiling, high floor. Uh, wait, sorry, uh, way around. High ceiling, low floor, five catches, 113 yards, only it's because of the rugs. Foster. That's why we're mixing up the floor. <laughs> that's a great one. 
<laughs> he's only 35% roster, but like that was terrible by me, actually. I'm not gonna take 75% that that. <laughs> roster in ESPN. That's I know I had to make that's sure that wasn't I, I, that's that's incredible to me. Their draft room must have had him wearing crazy. Yes, ADP must be crazy. Yeah. Moves. Yeah. yeah, it was anyway. a beautiful throw by Derek Carr that got Henry Ruggs a touchdown, and he was at least in that later uh overtime contest against the Ravens involved more on in the offense. That's I, I'm there's not gonna be a scenario where I'm like, all right, can't wait to start Henry Ruggs. And maybe that's the point. That's why we're doing these waiver wire shows. Most of these guys are never like, can't wait to start X player. Uh, I think Henry Ruggs is gonna have too much of a mm-hmm. uh, floor for me to really want to go out there. Great guy for best ball leagues, certainly. But I think at this point, I would rather have uh, Renfro Osborne. Um, if Tim Patrick were still to be around last week, yep. I think I'd rather have him too. There's a lot bigger names or a lot better names, as you say, from a consistency perspective yeah. that I'd have for rugs today, wide receiver three or five. You know, oddly enough, we make that comparison because Renfro is on the same team. In both weeks, Henry Ruggs was out there for a greater percentage of the snaps. And we know Henry Ruggs has the much bigger, you know, draft pedigree here. So, uh, you know, there's a lot going on, but um, yeah, it's, it's a boomer bust. And I really have a hard time um, you know, rostering these players on on my on my team because you, it, that are dependent on one deep shot. You know, you know, MVS. I I relate, of course, I relate everything back to the Packers. But Marquez Valdez Scantling last night, you know, didn't get a single catch. You know, he had that goose egg, and you're going to have these types of games now. The snap count while Ruggs has been higher than Renfro. The target count is uh, definitely leaning in favor of Renfro. So. I don't know. You could make a uh, you could make an argument that this comes down to PPR and non PPR because Renfro will get more targets, more looks, probably more receptions on a week to week. But the top, but if you combine Renfro's re- weeks and Ruggs's weeks, that's that's kind of a tongue twister. If you combine all of yeah. those and did the top three performances out of all of them, Ruggs will definitely have probably all three, while Renfro has a far higher average. If you know if that makes sense. So it, it depends on your format and depends what kind of you know, risk tolerance you have in fantasy. I'm I'm right there with you real quick, because I think it's worth mentioning Jarvis Landry has an MCL sprain. Generally those end up being like a three to four week thing, although it can vary depending on the severity. There you go. Another tongue twister uh, of that sprain. Either way, I think, you know, Odell Beckham is supposed to be back this week. Maybe Richard Higgins could be a pickup. He is 0% roster in Yahoo formats. I, I don't know. There's not a scenario where I'm thinking I'm playing Higgins but if I was at least worth mentioning, uh, I don't know. What's what's your take on this, Jake? Am I crazy for at least mentioning him? Listen, I used to cover the Browns back in the day, and our NFL editor always likes to give me the Browns for uh, for inactives on Sunday mornings. So I'm always watching, you know, outside of the Packers, the Browns are oddly enough one of the teams that I watched the closest. And there are a couple factors that are coming into play here. Donovan Peoples Jones with uh with uh, Beckham out has been the number two wide receiver. It, it's been pretty clear, and um, he's done little with those opportunities, though. That's that's worth he, mentioning. He's done little with those opportunities. He's even I believe he turned the ball over, if I remember that right. When yeah, I was watching I think Red so. Zone, yeah, yeah. It, so, but Odell Beckham, I think we can almost say guarantee is coming out coming back week three I you know I guess you could always suffer a setback in practice but the consensus seems to be that all along week three was the target so number one you got Odell Beckham back Donovan Peoples-Jones is your number two wide receiver Anthony Schwartz is your number three wide receiver and Rashad Higgins is barely active I don't really have much interest in Higgins and if I was forced to pick up someone I'd be looking at Peoples-Jones first and even in a deepest 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 of formats probably Schwartz over Higgins only reason I mentioned Higgins, obviously with Jarvis Landry out, Higgins played 43 snaps, so that was 70% of the workload. Schwartz and Donovan Peoples-Jones, 
saw less of an opportunity. I think it was it was uh, Higgins that got the biggest bump, but didn't do a lot with it. And, and like even David Njoku, Austin Hooper are going to be more of your main targets. And once Odell comes mm-hmm. back, I think he is too. I'm not interested in getting him either, but I'm also not going to go out and aggressively get down for people Jones or uh, Schwartz. Mm-hmm. I have Schwartz in a few dynasty leagues, and I actually did start yeah. him stupidly in one of them. Uh, but that's that's a different scenario, mm-hmm. and I think for yeah. most listeners, it doesn't apply. Yeah, I mean, I think what happened is, you know, after Landry went down, you know, Peoples, Jones, and Schwartz, their roles stayed the same, and it was Higgins whose role jumps up a bit, jumps up a ton. I can't say with certainty who's leaving, uh, who's getting less because of Odell Beckham, but I guarantee you that Rashad Higgins doesn't see seventy-two percent of the snaps against the Bears this week. Yeah, let's uh real quickly go through the tight ends. I think there's actually more value in streaming defenses to mention, so I want to save some time for that. Mm-hmm. Before we do, let's get a word from our sponsors, Vivid Seats. Preseason football is wrapped up, obviously, and we're ready for the regular season to kick off uh, and has already started. In fact, live events are making a comeback, and there's no better place to be than Vivid Seats to get back into action. So grab your NFL tickets and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. That really does feel great to say. Even better, and you know, I'm jealous of you being able to do that, Jake, yourself. Even better, they just launched a new and improved rewards program with free tickets for every fan. Earn rewards, ticket upgrades, and perks just for shopping. If you're looking for tickets to the game, your favorite artist, or that new show everyone's talking about, Vivid Seats has it all. Visit Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. The two tight ends worth mentioning, Max Williams, seven catches, 94 yards. He'll be going against the Jacksonville defense uh, this week. And then there's Dan Arnold, who had three catches for 55 yards against another bad defense in the Texans of Thursday Night Football. You know, there's not a scenario where I'm really rostering Dan Arnold or at least starting him this week, despite that great matchup. Maybe you can make a case for Max Williams, but I think I'll still roll the dice with whatever my low-end tight end ones, those 12 through 16 ranges are i think if it's max williams or anthony ferkser for example i'll go with max williams but there's there's a really low bar that max williams still has to clear for me to be able to start yeah i mean again max williams plays for arizona they haven't used the tight end a ton i mean i guess the yeah he got his catches last week but we talked we've been through over and over all these pass catching uh all these pass catching options they have over there and um you know max williams is only on on let me see here 26 passing plays that he's been on the field he's only ran 21 routes 80.8 percent and if you look at the other option that we have down here you know we got Dan Arnold from Carolina who is 23 for 23 so it seems I'll take the guy that seems like slightly more of a pass catcher in Arnold over Williams but we're picking straws here I mean your chances are you're still going with who you got even you know, or or even Njoku or Komet that we talked about last week. I know Jawan Johnson this week was a little bit of a bust. Shocker. The Saints Steve, uh, Saints are mm-hmm. not that good of a team, and the Packers just didn't care week one. That's that's yeah. what it was. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's a he's a touchdown-only league kind of guy is what we're going to end up. But I will say Jawan Johnson, Saints' third-leading receiver. You know, so you can, you can take any argument and frame it one way or another, can't you? Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, so it's fair to say not much discussion need to be had on these tight ends. Like, I... I just don't care, and if I'm in 15 leagues and there's never a point where I'm going to be rostering Max Williams, I have to imagine most listeners don't need to listen to it either, but I I don't want to just avoid a guy that had seven catches for 94 yards when people are starting guys like Gerald Everett and Hunter Henry who are doing nothing out there. So it's mm-hmm. just, I, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but also understand that's a that's a tough spot. You know, one of our users actually asked us, if I trade Kelsey, what type of haul can I get? I don't know. It depends on what your league is and everything else. But more or less, I mean, what say, are you sitting with as your backup? Like Noah Fant, Logan Thomas? It'd have to be somebody pretty decent. Well, I'm saying more or less, 
the Kelsey Waller Hawkinson. I think Hawkinson has now emerged over mm-hmm. Kittle, at least. Yeah, we didn't touch on that in the Monday night game, and I was regretting that for a little bit. I wasn't giving Hawkinson the respect he deserves, both real life and fantasy. There were times where Goff just zeroes in on him. Yes. There, was a, there was one series I distinctly remember. They were driving away. We're in the north end zone, and on three consecutive plays were all receptions to Hawkins for like three, four and five yards, you know, to, to move the chains. And yeah, Goff really zeroes in on him and he's going to be the number one receiver in that offense. If you don't have any one of those three tight ends, I think you're more or less all kind of in the same spot. Noah fan got the touch on this past week. Kyle Pitts looked pretty good after a dud of a week one, but there's going to be hit or misses unless you have one of those top three guys. And Mark Andrews, I think has fallen off. George Kittle has fallen off from that realm too. Mm-hmm. And kind of gets into these spots with high end upside, certainly, um, but we'll be, Week in and week out, probably disappointments for a lot of different fantasy managers. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the streaming defenses real quick. Uh, we have the Panthers, probably the top pickup at 20% roster in Yahoo Leagues, 13% um, in ESPN against the Houston defense again on Thursday. I'm sorry, Houston offense Thursday. That likely would be quarterbacked by rookie David Mills, Davis Mills. The overrunner is at 44 points overall. I, I know weird things happen on Thursday, and I, Davis Mills has, I guess, potential in, in some ways that you wouldn't have imagined Tyrod Taylor does. I think the Panthers' defense has looked really good overall against some quality opponents, and I do not believe the Texans to be a quality opponent. So I'll go mm-hmm. ahead and say Panthers might be one of the top pickups, not just at defense, but uh, overall this week possibly if you need to stream there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll run through my team defense checklist here. There's always three factors I look for. You know, are you the home team? What is the over-under on the week? And, of course, what's the opponent here? That's probably the most important factor. Obviously, Carolina's on the road, and that's really the only box they don't check because Houston's going to be – you know, with the rookie quarterback, we don't really know what to expect there. Um, you know, a lot of people are, are have been saying, oh, are, are, are the Texans really as bad as we thought? And, you know, I think we're going to grow to see that, yes, they were as bad, despite some of the fluky early season stuff here. But the over-under hits and the fact that on the road, to me, that at least uh, that's negated by the fact that we have a Thursday night game here. Short week against the rookie. They're the easiest one to, to pick here. They've got to sure. be your top choice. Another defense going against a rookie, possibly Tennessee, uh, with Jacob Easton likely starting over double sprained ankle Carson Wentz. That over-under is at 48. I, th- I think it's probably because uh, Derrick Henry and company could put up some major points on that Colts defense. It's worth pointing out Derrick Henry's only really good game against the Colts was with DeForest Buckner out last last year. Buckner obviously is healthy and playing. I think they're going to have to use Julio Jones and A.J. Brown a lot more uh, to be successful, but I do not anticipate Jacob Easton looking good. Um, Titans or Titans defense might be might be good enough. Um, but I think that offense can still run through Jonathan Taylor maybe effectively. And I don't really feel like there's a turnover or sack mm-hmm. points that can happen. So I like the Panthers defense significantly more than the Titans, even though they have a favorite yep. matchup against Easton. It's it's pretty much the Panthers and then everybody else this week. You know, we threw the tight the Titans on there, but they haven't really stopped anybody yet this year. So even you know, at least Carolina has stopped. Again, week-to-week league, crazy league. Carolina stops James Whittenson, who tears the Packers up. You know, there's no transitive, sensible math that you can do there necessarily. But at least Carolina has stopped somebody. Tennessee has not stopped anybody at all yet. And that over-under 48, that's definitely a little high for what I'd be looking for in a defensive streamer unless you've got like a juggernaut offense in that game. And, you know, the last one I'll mention here, of course, is uh, is the Raiders. You know, they're basically all rostered nowhere, 2% Yahoo, 1% ESPN. They've got the uh, they've got the Miami Dolphins here, and, you know, Tua, Tua's got an injury situation here. Rib cartilage, right? Something rib with cartilage. ribs. <laughs> just, uh, just don't get anywhere near Tyrod Taylor's Chargers doctor, okay, with the rib cartilage. <laughs> um, 
but no. So uh, what? We, what is it? Brissett, you know, Brissett, who did not look good on Sunday either. He looked lost. Yeah. He looked lost. You know, either they're acquiring Deshaun Watson with haste, which is a very risky proposition for any NFL organization, or it's Jacoby Brissett. So I would actually put the Raiders ahead of the Titans in this situation because I don't think the Titans can stop the run, even if it's with a you know a backup quarterback leading the charge. Yeah, and and real quick, Cardinals are over fifty percent roster on Yahoo, uh, so they just miss our technically our podcast threshold. But they play Jacksonville this week. He's at their forty percent roster on ESPN. Forty percent on ESPN. I had to write it down, yeah. you know, just in case they're a little bit over. But you know what we thought was going to be pick on the Texans all year long might actually end up being pick on pick the on Jacksonville. All year long. I, yeah, I, agree. I I mean, Jacksonville's fantasy players are going to eventually get theirs you know it'll largely be through garbage time and blowout games but i could definitely see trevor lawrence taking a ton of lumps early on in games this year and and jacksonville will be a team to target you know just in in that same group of people i'll still pick panthers defense this week against davis mills and then i go cardinals and then after else you know i don't care titans then then uh, raiders then raiders i put the raiders ahead of the titans because again at least they've showed the propensity to stop somebody at one point or another this year Fair enough. All right. Well, that does it for us in the Tuesday edition of the Riddler NFL podcast sponsored by WinBet. Of course, we'll be back again next week to target hopefully some more high upside waiver wire pickups. Uh, a few of the names that we mentioned, you know, KJ Osborne and company streaming quarterbacks should be great, but maybe a bit of a lackluster showing for this week. Mm-hmm. It always depends on the injuries. And thus far, through uh, this is two this weeks. Is, it hasn't yeah. been that bad. My takeaway this week is one of those weeks where I think we're going to see a lot more, especially in the running back situation, we're going to see options emerge later on in the week. Mm. As the injury reports come out, we see how much Delvin Cook practices. We see who does and doesn't practice for San Francisco. That'll be a big one. And our injury coverage in the NFL is some of the best. It is the best in the business. I'm not not even going to, you know, beat around the bush there. You know, all the big clients use us. We're on top of those practice reports every day. So, you know, we've got you covered here at Rotowire. And I'm going to sneak one last plug in before I sign off. Uh, UFC 266 this week, Uh, you know, you're on the Rotowire YouTube channel, maybe right now, unless you're, you know, on Twitter or Facebook. We've got a Rotowire MMA YouTube channel. Definitely check out my Twitter at Roto Jake. John and I are going to do a show tonight. Fight IQ's back on Friday. You know, I'm, I got to plug my UFC because you know a week off, or I guess there's been time off. It's been a while since a pay per view, and uh, we're ready to bring you the best we can bring. Awesome. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. We'll be back in the next week to hopefully find some more Wave Wire gems.